0: Well, good morning. See, uh, I've seen more than one person this morning with a little bit of extra sun as a result of yesterday's festivities. It was summer yesterday. I don't know if you noticed that, but man, it was nice. Oh my goodness. I don't know about you, but I've had a, a crazy week. I'm um, not sure what all happened in your life, but I got, I got uh, called away from baseball um, on Wednesday evening. I, I got my phone after practice and had like 12 missed calls from my wife. Husbands, have you ever not had your phone on you, and you had 12 missed calls, you know something bad has, has happened. And so, I uh, got home to, to find the, uh, the, the bedroom underwater, and the bathroom underwater, and the closet underwater, and so we had to relocate our entire bedroom to the living room. So we're currently, our bedroom is down in the living room. Um, and we're waiting on, on carpet install, hopefully at the very beginning of the week, because we have an open house on Saturday. Kaylee's graduating, and so she wanted to have her open house at our house, and we said, great, and... We were getting close <coughs> to being ready for that open house, and then with small, small little setbacks. So uh, you'll, in your bulletin, we did, uh, I asked Kathy what the procedures were for announcing such things like that, and so uh, the information's in their address and things like that. You're all invited to come and, and uh, see where we live, but more importantly, just, uh, just come and hang out with us and our family, and we'll be excited to, to do that. I wanted to uh, offer a quick thanks to everybody that came on Friday night to marriage night. Um, if you didn't, you were missed. Uh, there were around 70 of us here th- on Friday night. We turned this into a big dining hall with tables and chairs, and the live stream event went so, so well. Um, it was a, a great night of food and fellowship. was so much fun uh, to hear all the couples um, laughing, having fun, having conversation. There was deep teaching. There was comedy. It was all there. Um, it was a great, great night. And so We just want to encourage you the next time that one of these things happens. Please, please, please uh, bring your bride with you, men. And I uh, have a, a fun, fun time because here's the little bad part. Um, you know, we're not supposed to do this in the church, but there's always going to be some insider lingo now that you don't know about because you weren't there. And we're like, ah, we can't really tell you because you had to be there. Um, you know, it was just kind of one of those things. And so hopefully between Friday and now, uh, you've gotten a chance to have some, uh, some time to share some withholds with your spouse. Right, Sunday afternoon would be a perfect time to sit down and do that. From this last week, um, everybody that was there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right? so, uh, so do that, do that. And, and we'll continue to emphasize the importance of family and marriage. Uh, the most important relationship we have on this planet outside of our relationship with God is relationship with our spouse. And so uh, that you cannot spend too much time investing in that, talking about that, learning about that, improving that. You might say, oh, we're good enough. Well, if you say that, then you've been fooled and you've gotten complacent, and eventually good enough won't be good enough anymore, and something's going to happen, and we don't want that to ever, ever occur. Uh, We're continuing to look for a few more VBS volunteers, so if you're willing uh, and able, we'd love to have you. VBS is two weeks from tomorrow. It starts, Um, and so uh, we got to fill a few more spots um, for that. If you're already signed up to volunteer for VBS, um, then please let me know your t-shirt size, because I'm (laughs) ordering some shirts um, for folks. They're not going to be very expensive, so um, should be able to keep them right around five bucks for everybody. So, Anyway, that's that. Keep getting peaks, uh, folks uh, registered for that. The only donation that anybody was seeking was if you have access to GFS gift cards. If you have access to GFS gift cards, Aaron would love to have some of those because he just buys everything from there for all of our dinners every night. Um, just one place. It's really easy for him then to just get everything. So if you have access to that or would like to donate to that cause, that would be great. Um, he would love the, the assistance there. Uh, the last thing that, that I'm going to mention is this. On your way out today, there'll be a chair sitting right outside that door. It's one of the tall chairs, so you won't have to bend over. And there'll be these little half sheets of paper. I didn't want to put them in the bulletin because um, I didn't want everybody necessarily to have one. Oh, I said that out loud. Um, no, here's, here's, what, uh, here's what I wanted. Uh, I want those that want to participate, to participate. I don't want this just to be everybody just all in. I, I want If you feel led to participate and be a part of this, that means the Spirit's moving in you to be a part of this and what it's going to be at the end of this summer we're going to start a series probably lasts about six weeks or so called questions answered and I'm literally going to read what I wrote on here because I just like the way it's worded so um, this is what we're going to do in this series we're going to focus on some of the tougher questions people have about life and faith we're going to look to the bible for answers and holding up its truth as our authority in your lives and so here's your chance to ask simply put your name email and question below And, this is an important one, if there's a specific reason why God has put this question in your heart, then let us know that. Because we want to handle these things as delicately as we possibly can with the grace, truth, and love that Jesus gives us. And so if that's you, if there's something that's come up in life, something that's come up in your, your personal world, your family world, even in the world world, this is your chance. And what we'll do with these is obviously we won't have time to address everyone that's turned in in this six weeks, but we'll keep those. And as we need it, you know, whether it's a, a spot between sermon series or another, another series later on, or, you know, we're, we're getting ready. I'm going to dabble beginning this summer in the podcast world. We already... Uh, put our messages out there via podcast if you didn't know that. But uh, we're going to start doing so. Maybe some of these questions come up in a podcast and we'll answer them that way so you can listen online. So, lots of opportunities to get involved. If that's you, if you'd like to participate, those papers will be right out there on a chair as you leave and they'll be available for a couple weeks. Uh, but we got to get started planning um, for the end of the summer. We're in the last three weeks of the book of John, starting this week, the last three weeks of this study. It's hard to believe. That it's there. This is the longest conversation ever recorded between Jesus and his disciples. John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are all the same conversation. They all take place in that upper room on that Thursday night. They all take place during and after this big feast that Jesus has longed to share with his disciples, he says. They all take place. While Jesus begins to share with them this idea that his body will be broken for them, that his blood will be shed for them, and that this meal that they shared, this, this wine and this bread is going to represent these incredible emblems not just from that moment but till now as well. This all took place as Jesus knelt before each and every one of these men and humbled himself, showing them how they must serve everyone else. And it all took place While someone who was sitting there listening, eating, and even having his very own feet washed, considered what was about to happen in a moment as he would leave to go meet with the religious leaders to sell Jesus out in the garden later that night. And Jesus pours out nothing but love, a little correction, some instruction, some encouragement as he empowers these guys. Think about this. He is empowering these 11 men to transform the entire world in that upper room. It's incredible. It's incredible. Something that the disciples might have thought was possible as long as Jesus was with them. But without him? See, Jesus is preparing them for his departure. They don't understand. They don't see what's coming. Jesus is not just who they're with. Jesus is how things happen. And they realize that. They understand that. In their eyes, his presence is the only thing that makes anything possible. And to imagine a time where his presence would no longer be with them seems impossible. And that's why Jesus continues to teach and demonstrate. But the disciples just don't get it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had somebody in your life, it was likely a parent who just kept instructing you as to something over and over and over and over again, but you never, ever, ever took that lesson to heart until. Until that circumstance happened in your life. And all of a sudden, everything that you thought was completely useless, a waste of time, became so real to you that you couldn't be thankful enough that whoever that was had given you that advice or that information. What a blessing that knowledge or skill turned out to be in the end. That's where the disciples are. Listening intently, I'm sure, but not understanding anything that Jesus was saying. It just didn't make sense. After all those future moments, those things that Jesus keeps referring to, he's going to be right here with us, right? Well, yes and no. I shared with the the worship team before, service that, you know, Jesus said lots of spectacular things, amazing things, things I can't comprehend, things I can't understand, just incredible stuff. But there's two just sentences that he spoke that I've always just said, man, I just, how is this possible? The first one was when he told his disciples, hey, you will do even greater things than me. If I'm a disciple sitting there and I hear Jesus tell me, I'm thinking, Jesus, you raised a dude from the dead, What's more incredible than that? Jesus, you walked on water. Jesus, you on and on and on it would have went in my mind. How could I, little old me, do anything like that? And the second thing he said was in this passage today, hey, guys, it'll be good for you. As a matter of fact, you'll be glad when I leave. What? (laughs) I'm with you, Jesus. There's no way I could be glad when you depart. Like, how is that possible? Well, both of those concepts revolve around what we're talking about today, the Holy Spirit. He declares with them exactly how this would happen, how those truths would become a reality. It begins at the very end of chapter 15. We're covering chapter 16 today, but it starts then. Chapter 15 of John, verse 26. Feel free, turn there however you wish. When the advocate, the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth goes out from the Father. He will testify about me, and you also must testify. For you have been with me from the beginning. All of this I have told you so that you will not fall away. He's encouraging them. Jesus has to let the disciples know that he's leaving. But, but don't be discouraged. He's sending an advocate. He's sending something else. Someone who is on your side. Someone who you can go to in times of need. Someone who will empower you to do incredible things in his name. Guys, listen is what he's saying. You need this. As a matter of fact, you need this more than you need me sitting here beside you. Church, followers of Jesus, we need this in our life. And if you've not yet become to, come to be a follower of Jesus yet, you've not made that declaration, this is what's available to you. How encouraged would you be that night if Jesus shared this warning with you? How about me? How about if I, your pastor, shared this warning to you as if it were true today? They will put you out of the synagogue, is what this says. But for that time and age, the synagogue was the gathering place. It was the public square. It was where everybody came to be together. So maybe we could substitute that word. What if they put you out of the local community. They sent you out. And in fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you, in fact, will be thinking they're offering a service. To God. I ask you, does that happen today? See, I wrote this message the week after Easter. You might remember what happened on Easter. More than 350 people were killed. 45 children in Sri Lanka. Why? Why? The terrorists detonated bombs in churches and outside hotels. Why did they do it? Well, because they were offering a sacrifice to their God. See, this is very, very real The evil of these attacks, that that doesn't need to be explained. We understand that. But today, the attacks that get even more subtle than that, those are a reality and they do exist, absolutely, even in our own country. But in our culture, sometimes killing might not be of the physical kind. Our society takes great joy in seeing people of faith mocked, discredited, fired, for our beliefs our culture loves to label us to verbally assault us because of our beliefs and our teachings they want to eliminate our faith our beliefs from the public square that is their desire they want to eliminate us from powers of position of influence and authority and they believe that this is a service to their god who's their god self yeah Or the ever-changing God of feelings, or of personal preference, or of pleasure, or of power. See, because our teachings and our beliefs get in the way of every single one of those. Followers of Jesus are discouraged from living out our faith. As a matter of fact, our society at this moment, and it's been told to us by the highest level of government, that we are fine with you worshiping on Sunday for now, but don't you dare take what you talk about and learn about and believe about Jesus into the public square, Don't do that. We don't want any part of that. Keep it to your little Sunday gatherings. That's exactly what society wants you to do. Don't do it. Don't do it. Church, we can't do that. We're called to do something else. We must fight back. This is the reason Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples. Just like them, you and I, so that we will not get discouraged in this. So that we will keep up the fight So we'll wage war against the dark forces that exist within the world that seek to eliminate God in every possible way. But there's a difference. There's a big difference in our fight and in the weapons that we use and the source from which we draw our power. We, of course, use the love of Jesus. You might not know this, but the love of Jesus is undefeated. It cannot be defeated, not even death. defeat the love of Jesus. We use the truth. Now, this is a hard one because this is a concept which the world believes doesn't exist. Now, I'm not going to go into the crazy absurdity and foolishness of that line of thinking. I'll point out just one simple thing. Just because that you don't think something exists doesn't mean you're right. That's all I can say. Your opinion might not be correct. There is absolute truth and we do not get the privilege of creating it altering it dismissing it in any way can we ignore it absolutely and people do it all of the time but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist it's definitely still there followers of jesus are not called to submit to an enemy no in fact we are called to fight but our battle looks so different from the fights Of this world. Remember, our ultimate example, the night of his betrayal, the greatest battle of his life. What does he do? He bows down at the feet of the man who sold him out, and he knows it. That's a very different kind of fight. Now, I want to remind you because it's quite possible that you haven't heard the instruments that we get to take into battle with us in a very long time. It's not something that's often talked about. From this position. So it's a perfect time to remind us. Paul is the author, and he writes this as he likely sits locked into some kind of confinement, and there's a Roman soldier standing outside his door. And so he begins to look at the Roman soldier and relate that to our faith. And from this, we get these things that probably many of you know. The world wants nothing more than to destroy you. The world wants nothing more than to pit you against other people. You and I are the enemy but we cannot behave the same way. We cannot treat them the same way they treat us. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight is against Satan, the one who's controlling them. Our fight is to introduce them to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit begin to work in them. And here are our tools. Ephesians chapter six, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We have to remember that. But against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes and is here, you may be able to stand your ground Now, there's two things I want to point out from this whole list. We're not going to talk about the individual items. That's not the message of today. But there's two characteristics that I want to share with you. Number one, there's only one offensive weapon. That's it. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, a.k.a. the truth. That's it. There's nothing else that we have to fight with. The author of Hebrews tells us in chapter 4, verse 12 about this sword. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's a powerful, powerful weapon. And only this sword can separate the evil one from the one whom he has possession of. Later in John, there's a little more description of how this takes place. But the second idea is also very important. I want to remind you that this armor is only effective. It only works if you and I remain facing our enemy. If at any point in time we turn around, we're exposed. If we turn and hide, we're fully exposed to every weapon that's attacked us. There is nothing to defend us. At this point, you're vulnerable to every attack from the evil one. He has full access to you. This is why... It has troubled me so much for so many years being in ministry when you see people walk out the doors and never come back in because we know that they're exposed. And I could tell you a longer list than you could imagine of students in our ministry that we'd have be involved and active and a part of everything. And then for whatever reason, oftentimes a member of the opposite gender, a boyfriend or girlfriend, pulls them away from the church. And the next thing you know, their life's a wreck. They were completely exposed to the enemy and it doesn't change in our adult world, it's our marriage, it's our jobs, it's our relationships, it's who we become as people when we're not together and fighting together. It's too important. But why? Why do people do these things? Why do people, why are people caught up in this sin? Well, Jesus describes that. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. Verse 4, I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them, I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to the one who sent me. And none of you ask, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I've said these things, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can no longer see me. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have so much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Now he will not speak of his own, he will speak only what he hears, and what he will tell you, and what he will tell you, What is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what He is making known to you. You see, many of these people leading these attacks simply don't know Jesus. Now, keep in mind, there is a group of people who do, and they're intentionally leading these attacks because they hate Jesus. That's absolute truth, and those people exist. We can try to pretend that it doesn't, but those people do absolutely exist in our world. But in our context, there are many people that have never, ever known Jesus. You've got to understand that some of us listening today have always been in the church. We had the blessing of being raised by a family that this was a priority for them, and that rubbed off on us, hopefully in a good way, right? (laughs) Because it doesn't always work out that way. But we've got to understand that we're the exception in society today. We are not the norm any longer. There's probably a time, especially those of you that are a little older, where everyone you knew went to church. Virtually every single person you worked with, everybody on your street went to church somewhere, at least a little. But I can tell you from my experience as a child growing up, very, very, very few of the people in my classes went to church anywhere ever. If they did, it was VBS, or maybe an Easter or Christmas service, and that was it. And so here we sit today, two generations of people later don't know anything about Jesus. They live life as if God doesn't exist, because to them, he doesn't. He's not real to them at this point. Again, keeping in mind that reality of truth, just because that's what they think doesn't mean that's true. All they have to base their opinions are the things the media tells them, the representation of people of faith within entertainment industry or the culture itself. They will often place all religions, all religions, all people of faith in the same conversation with no way to distinguish between those different people of faith. They think it's all the same. All I can say to you is this. A lot of people get discouraged by that a lot of people get discouraged by that. Don't. Don't, because all it tells us is that the mission field is ripe and ready for harvest. They know nothing, anything. You always say, well, I don't know enough to share Jesus with somebody. Well, at this point, if you know anything about Jesus, you have enough to share. That's an absolute truth in our world. You have the truth, and you can set them free. Imagine being in that room, sitting around that table, and Jesus gets to the point in this conversation where he says, hey guys, I'm, I'm being honest with you here. It's, it's In fact, it's good. I know you're upset that I'm leaving, but it's actually a good thing that I'm going away. Can you imagine the looks he got? Them looking at each other like, what on earth is he talking? How is this good in any way? There's no way that could be true. Good for Jesus to leave, good for them to continue on without his presence. Well, yeah. Yeah, in fact, guys, it's better, in fact, that I leave. What could, be possibly, what could possibly be better than Jesus by your side? Well, he tells us, the advocate will come. I'm going to send him to you. In other words, the spirit in you is greater than Jesus beside you. Jesus just told them in verse 6 that if they understood what was coming, they would actually be glad and that it was a good thing for him to live now this holy spirit we're we'll eventually get into a series on the holy spirit because the the christian church doesn't like to talk about the holy spirit because it makes us a little uncomfortable because the holy spirit is crazy awesome and we just don't fully grasp its power and it's importance. so i'm going to give you just a little tiny taste here many of you in the room know matthew 28 19 it's called the great commission therefore go into all the world making disciples of all nations baptizing them the father the son the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i've commanded you right But Luke reveals a little secret about the Great Commission. Jesus said all that to the disciples, and then he said, but wait. This is what I need you to do. This is what you're going to do, but don't do it yet. Why? Because they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. Yes, Jesus put the Great Commission, the only thing he asked these guys to do, on hold, to wait for the Holy Spirit. That is how important the Holy Spirit is to our faith. You can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. It's incredible the importance of this gift that we're given. Through the, spirits, the, through the Spirit, the presence of God is made personal. I found this by pastor and author J.D. Greer. He said it perfectly. A personal and interactive relationship has always been God's plan for his people. Living in the presence of God is absolutely essential to a thriving Christian life. As the Apostle Paul points out, only as we walk in the presence of the Spirit will we have the power to resist the passions of the flesh. Victorious Christianity is not found in knowing a lot of theology or manufacturing the right kind of feelings. No, it is found in abiding in the presence of a person, the Holy Spirit. That, spirit, that presence at work within us. In verse 8, When he, the Spirit, comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. That's not our job. That's the Spirit's job. Yes, we might need to inform people of such things, but it's not our job to condemn them. It's not our job to judge them. It's the Spirit's. You see, the Spirit will prove the world wrong. It will convict the world of sin. Yes, sin does exist. The world would tell you it doesn't. Yes, it is wrong. The world would tell you, no, it's not. And yes, there's a penalty for such things. And once again, the world would say, no, not really. But what we have to add to that conversation is, but, but there's someone who is willing to take that penalty for you. There's someone who paid this price for you and your sin if, if you believe. <laughs> The Spirit will expose the world's guilt. We don't need to make people feel guilty. That's not our job. This is needed because the world simply doesn't believe in Jesus, and God, the Holy Spirit, none of it. The Spirit confirms the righteousness of Jesus through his death and resurrection, and the presence of the Spirit ensures the coming judgment of this world. Since its leader, Satan, already stands condemned. This is not comfortable. The Spirit does not come to put the world at ease. It does bring peace to believers, yes. But it brings an unrest within the hearts and souls that will only, that unrest will only be put to rest by Jesus himself. The world will seek many, 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 many things in order to attempt to satisfy. But there's only one thing that will work. So the disciples They sit there, they take all of Jesus' words in, but they just don't quite seem to add up. We are blessed with these teachings in the light of the resurrection. That's why we've gone back to them after Easter. We have the immediate ability to take these things in and comprehend them. But even after the resurrection, the disciples had to wait on the Holy Spirit. Jesus rising from the dead wasn't enough to send them on mission just yet. For us, the moment we accept Jesus, the Spirit is immediately available to us, to anyone that has not received him yet. And the Spirit is dwelling within those that have made Jesus our Lord and Savior. But there's a question Jesus has for them a bit later. In verse 16, Jesus went on to say, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At, some of, at this, some of the disciples said to one another, what does he mean? What, what does he mean by these things? So they kept asking, what does he mean in a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him, so he answered, are you asking me about this whole phrase I'm saying? Very truly I tell you in verse 20, you, you will weep and you will mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Like a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets about the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So it is with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. I I don't know if you can imagine the looks on their faces as Jesus tries to explain these things to them. There's no way they could have understood. And even if they did, the next 48 hours would have crushed any spirit within them that they had to have hope that this might actually be the case. There was no light At the end of the tunnel, as they passed through that time period, did they remember the words of Jesus? That joy, they would experience joy? There's no way. There's absolutely no way they would experience joy until, well, until it was. Joy, unspeakable joy. Everything changed for those disciples in that moment. Everything changed for them after the resurrection, and everything can change for you as well. If you don't know Jesus yet, then today everything can change. You can be given this gift that Jesus is describing as even better than his physical presence beside you, the gift of his spirit within you. You can be forgiven, made clean, given a new life. The spirit at work within you is that spirit at work within you as you hear his words. Is the spirit convicting you of something that is his role? Maybe to accept Him for the first time. Maybe to listen to Him for the first time in a long time. Maybe your life has pushed you to resist the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We can all train ourselves to do that. Maybe you've grown deaf to His call, but I can assure you the Spirit is calling. Softly and tenderly calling, for those of you that know the song, back to the Father. Chapter 16 concludes with, with, the Jesus, with Jesus telling the disciples something very specific. He asks them to pray in his name. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything, verse 23. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. They prayed the old way they've always prayed as Jewish men. And you will receive and your joy will be made complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use that kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask my Father on your behalf. No, in fact, the Father himself will take care of this because he loves you, because you have loved me and and believe that I have come from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Yes, this is why we pray to this very day in Jesus' name. Jesus told us to. He also tells them, hey, whatever you pray in my name, you'll receive. Remember from last week, hopefully? Yes, because when we pray in his name, we're praying for his will to be done. And if our prayers are in line with his will, absolutely, they'll be answered perfectly. And then he basically says one last thing. Oh yeah, guys, you remember all those things that I taught you and you gave me that deer in headlights look? And then he corrected himself because, like, wait, there are no headlights yet. Um, and he had to go on a different direction. But you get the picture. Yeah, all of those things are going to be made clear to you. All those times that you didn't understand, you will. You will when the Spirit comes. All these things will be made clear. And then he ends with these last few things. Then Jesus said to his disciples, now you're speaking, or his disciples said to him, now you're speaking clearly. Yeah, three years of ministry, Jesus. Finally, you're speaking clearly to us. No figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you come from God. Jesus then asked them a question. Well, do you now believe? Jesus replied, because he knows better. A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will all be scattered, each to your own home. You, you'll leave me all alone, but I am not alone. For my Father is with me. Just as we've been studying in the book of John since August, John's words are recorded for us so that we might understand and believe, just like the disciples claim to do here. But they make this great confession to Jesus, and what does Jesus do? <laughs> he immediately asks them, Do you really believe? Are you serious? Because, you know, I know what's about to happen, and I know all y'all are going to walk away from here in just a minute. Um, He asked the same question of us today. Do we believe? The final words Jesus has to say in this passage. I have told you these things that you may have peace. And it would have been great if he just put a period there and left it, and then we could expect peace, love, and joy, and happiness all the days of our life. And if we come to Jesus, we have no problems in life ever, right? There's a period there, isn't there? But then he finished the statement, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. Pipes are going to blow up and your bedroom's going to get flooded. And that means nothing because in this world, we're going to lose loved ones. In this world, we're going to be diagnosed with cancer. In this world, we're going to need an organ transplant. In this world, we're going to lose our job. In this world, there's going to be evil things going on. There will be trouble, but this is not our home. We've got to remember that, Christians, and if you're not a believer this morning, we want to share that with you. Jesus wants to share that with you. He wants to share with you the gift of the Spirit within us. Let's go to him in prayer right now. Father God, what an incredible day it is to be in your house, to be loved by you. I don't know I don't know, I I struggle to do this. How many times do followers of Jesus just sit back on the back porch and think about being in your love? Father, we live in your love. We've been filled with a piece of you, the Spirit that gives us the ability not just to do great things, but to be great people, to be loving people, to be kind people. All the things that we struggle with in life, the Spirit gives us the power to overcome each and every one of them if we allow Him to do that. Father, in this world, unfortunately, you promised us we would have trouble. You don't cause the trouble, but Father, you can work through the trouble. You can help us overcome the trouble if we rely on you. Father, you've given us all the tools necessary to fight against the evil forces of this world, and yet so many times we, followers of Christ, we take this attack to individuals. We take them to people and we attack them. Father, that's not who the fight is against. Our call is to love them and to attack the enemy pray that you give us the strength and courage to do that in this world. And Father, if there's anyone here that does not know the Spirit yet, I pray that today is the day that they begin to at least investigate, that that seed is planted and the Spirit begins to convict them of the sin in their life and the need for you. And Father, if there's anyone that's struggling with those troubles of life right now, I pray that they're willing to come forward during these times and meet with us for prayer. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things.